0: Another episode of Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me as always is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. How are you today, Chris?
1: I am doing very well, Jody. I'm actually in a good mood because we shared a bunch of laughs here before we started recording. So, yeah, I'm good.
0: Nothing like How a little doing? comic relief before we hit the record button. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, before we hit the record button
1: or keep going here with the record button or anything, including record button, what are we talking
0: about today? We're going after the concept of channel strips versus individual plugins today. Right. And we see an
1: abundance of channel strip emulations coming out on the market and how the workflow potentially changes. This is a good thing. Is This something that you should try to adopt. So shine a little bit of light on the process of the differences there, I think.
0: Well, I think it really kind of stems from a conversation we had last week as I was driving home from a little time off, speaking about the fact that I am forcing myself to work specifically with channel strip emulations on a rather large-ish project of, 90 songs. <laughs> so, is that
1: really large? Is that classified as large, 90 oh, songs? <laughs> oh, I guess so. I mean, compared to just yeah. doing
0: a single, it's rather, it's 90 times a single, so yeah. Oh,
1: well, there you go. It is interesting, because I have often been intrigued by the workflow. And I think, like you mentioned, you're using this for a specific project. Yeah. I think that's a good time to sort of approach it, because just trying it on like one song or you know, I'll do it on this one and then on another one, especially if they're gonna go together. I think that might be asking for a little bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. I'm in the same boat. I have not yet devoted a whole project to this process. And I'm inching to wanting to do it, but it just hasn't come up. It's been one thing coming up and I've started it, blah, blah, blah. It just hasn't materialized for me. But I Scratch do like that itch, com- man. Scratch it. I know, I know, and I I'm very intrigued by it. So at, at one point, I definitely will. All right. So what's uh, the difference
0: that you see between these two?
1: Well, there's several. I think it's initially you're just forcing yourself to stay in one interface of a plugin, mm-hmm. right, and really dig into that one, mm-hmm. as opposed to choosing, let's say, oh, I this is my favorite EQ, this is my favorite compressor, and loading several plugins in your channel strip in your DAW. Sure. And then mousing around that and opening and closing different plugins to get to the compressors, assuming you don't have a large enough screen to host everything. But <laughs> th- that's the difference. So just the-, um, the That's workflow, why I have an 80-inch monitor, man. 80-inch, yeah, it goes all the way around 360. <laughs> it goes all the way around
0: me. <laughs> yeah.
1: It is one of those things. That I think that limitations, we will touch on this a little bit later in more detail, but I think imposing limitations on yourself is sometimes a really good thing. Sure. Uh, so just having everything and making do with, yeah, this is what I'm gonna use, this is my compressor, this is my EQ, this is my filters and blah, blah, blah. That's what I'm gonna use on this. I suppose maybe we should start with what are the common components that we see in a channel strip and what we're thinking about when we're saying a channel strip plug-in as a concept as opposed to just individual ones, right? Why is that not a channel strip to us? Sure. You want me to
0: kick it off is what you're saying?
1: (laughs) Kick it off, man. Kick it off.
0: I'm kicking. General common components that appear in a channel strip style plugin. And this relates to the concept of consoles. Right. That's where the idea of the channel strip comes from. The very first thing generally is a filter. And more often than not, it's going to have two filters, the high-pass filter and the low-pass filter. A second component to the area is going to be EQ, which is all that stuff in between your high-pass and low-pass filters. Right. Then, generally, there's going to be either a gate expander situation and or a compressor situation in the channel strip. Not always, but generally. And in addition to that, there's also your output level. But what I also forgot in the very beginning is the fact that generally there is also an input or gain level prior to all of this. Those are the major components to an actual channel strip that you would find on a console that have translated their ways into channel strip plugins.
1: Right. And as we're seeing now in the market, we're seeing a lot of the emulations of classic consoles. This is not an entirely new concept. But for people that grew up and started their careers on consoles, I'm sure this is a relief because now you don't need to have a giant SSL console at home, which you (laughs) might want to, or in the studio where you work. But you can get very similar workflow using the Challenger plugin, and more importantly, the sound as well, right? Because that's something Adam
0: actually touched on when we interviewed him a couple of weeks back.
1: Right, and the, the sound, how API will sound different than an SSL, that will sound different from a focus, right, to a Neve or what have you. And if you know what to listen for and you know what you like, that can be a benefit to you. Sure. I don't think that it's necessary to immediately go out and buy every channel strip plugin there is or emulation there is.
0: Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's fun to have in your plugin folder, of right? Course. Don't get me wrong. The important part there is, you know, echo again what, what you and Adam said is that you have to know the sound that it imparts. And
0: if well, I you haven't can't, said that yet, that was well, prior to us hitting record. <laughs> But he did say it in the podcast a few weeks ago. He did it. say it, but you hinted at it.
1: So if you don't hear that, if you can't hear that difference as well, then I wouldn't worry about it too much. But getting to use one piece of gear, whether that is an SSL or a Neve or whatever channel strip emulation you have, I think benefits you because it teaches you the sound of that console
0: and what you can do with all of that. Would you agree with that? Yes and no.
1: I don't know if it teaches you the sound.
0: I don't think it teaches you the sound unless you have multiple options to choose from and then you spend an inordinate amount of time listening very intently. That's a given. You have to listen. And if you're not listening, it doesn't matter what channel strip you're using. However, that being said, the yes to all of this is that it doesn't matter what channel strip you get first, technically. If you can't make a mix sound good with one particular channel strip, the problem isn't the channel strip. Right, yeah. That's the answer that I would give yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely.
1: When I'm saying the sound of a channel strip, I mean, even if you just have one mm-hmm. and you're running it through your DAW, just without any processing, you'll start to hear what that imparts. Is it imparting anything that you you hear that is pleasing, right? Or what is it doing to your signal as opposed to bypass? That, I think-
0: It's the that's mojo,
1: they, man. It is the mojo because the meter says that it's doing something. Sure. <laughs> but in reality, just listening for that and see what it does to the audio. And if you can't hear that, well, then again, don't worry about it. Just start using the plug and get to know it. And hopefully your mixes will come out
0: just yeah. as well as before. Right? What are the popular options that we have at this point in time for channel strips? I really like the brain work stuff. Mm-hmm. They
1: have their SSL range. The 9000J, the 4K, the uh, the E, and the G. Mm-hmm. So there's some options. There different EQs, essentially. They have their needs. they got the focus right that I know you really like.
0: Yep. I've been okay. using it as part of this project that I mentioned earlier. It's one-third of it, but yes.
1: Right, and they have the Amec boards. There are others. You're a UA guy, so I know you've used a couple of theirs, right? Yeah, got so what the API,
0: have got the API. I've got the Neve 88RS. I've got the SSL 4000, which also has the ENG connotations between the two that you can switch in the channel strip. I have the Helios as well. I also have their 1073, and I have their 610 series, the A and the B. So I have mm. all of, I think I have all of their channel strips. But that being said, the Helios does not come with the gate and expander and compressor. Neither does the 610, and neither does the knee channel strips. Those three right there in the UA situation don't have gates and expanders and compressors.
1: Right. So it's a little bit of a caveat there where it's – but then in all fairness, like the Helios consoles didn't have that either. Right. right? No, they're emulating
0: the actual product, so that console didn't have it. They didn't add it. Right.
1: Of course SSL make their own channel strip as you'd think that they do. Yes, Waves have theirs. I think they were the first one to do the SSL channel strip, I believe. But they have obviously the SSL versions Sheps has his own. That one is a little bit different in that I think that you can actually choose which type of compressor and EQ you want to use in that format. So that that technically not a specific console, but mm-hmm. again, adopting the channel strip sort of workflow. And they have the EMI, the RED, Kramer, again, the Helios. There's a lot of these out there. Oh, there's also
0: your favorite, which is the Slate Virtual Mix Rack.
1: Right. Again, not necessarily strictly emulating one particular thing, because it is that sort of 500 rack kind of mentality, but you can put together all the components to make your own channel strip in there. The reason why I wanted to add- I'd almost call that a virtual channel strip. Almost like a virtual mix rack, if you will. (laughs) The reason I wanted to bring that one up is because I'm a heavy user of that. I Mm -hmm. use Slate products on every mix that I do these days. And one thing that I struggled with or I thought I would struggle with was the idea of having all the components in one plugin window, mm-hmm. where you would have you know everything from from the prees, from compressors and and EQs and, and all the dynamic stuff that you could do. I found myself that it was actually easier because I was coming from before then. It was obviously individual plugins, right? right? But so was, let's okay, talk
0: we, about that a little later because we've got other popular options here that we, we need do. to mention. We do now,
1: yeah. So. These are now other options that are out there that are not necessarily emulating a particular console, mm-hmm. but are still adopting this channel strip sort of mentality. Workflow. It, right. So,
0: which ones are those, Jody? We've got the Metric Halo. Mm-hmm. We have Eventide with their Ultra Channel, and yep. there's the Softube Summit Audio Channel Strip. Right. And I'm sure so there's there- many others out there that. I haven't mentioned, but those are generally the most popular ones, all the last little things that we've mentioned here. And I mean, that's a fair bunch of them to get you going.
1: So it's not like, oh, you only have two to choose from. Everybody (laughs) seems to be
0: having their channel strip. So maybe there's something to that whole workflow thing, right? There is a definite plethora of choices out there. Do you need to get them all? No. Is it fun to own them all? Yeah, it probably is. (laughs) Yeah, and you
1: can go, hey, I think I'll use the uh, Trident for this track, or I'll use the API for this one, or no, this is SSL, or then you can go even crazier, right, and go, no, for my drums, I always like to use the API, or guitars or SSL if you want to go really nutty, but uh, that's not something that I necessarily delve into like that, I tend to stick with one console for an entire mix. And when I say console these days, I'm talking about the... Your virtual channel
0: strip rack. Exactly. All right. And with that, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll be talking about pros and cons. And we're back. And we're going to start diving into the pros and cons of getting into the use of channel strips and virtual channel strips that don't necessarily emulate old console gear. What's a pro to you? The biggest
1: pro to me is that it is everything in one plug interface. Mm-hmm. From my experience, it has streamlined the workflow because I'm no longer closing plugins, opening up another one to adjust the compressor, going back to the EQ, opening another one. Everything is right in front of me. Mm-hmm. So I think that itself makes it a little bit more focused, perhaps, to have that. So this is probably very individual, obviously, and everybody will have to decide if this workflow works for you. But as I was hinting at before, when I adopted the Slate Virtual Mix Rack, Mm -hmm. it was a different mindset for me to have everything in one, in one plug-in window. But as soon as I... Started realizing the benefits of it. It made my work faster. I think. Okay. And and that was not just like a slogan from like from (laughs) from from Slate. Oh, I work faster, but actually I, I do. I think because everything is right there, and the overall thing there for me was just speed. And I had everything in front of me, and you could obviously adjust. Not everything is set in the signal workflow in the rack. So you could put your EQ before or after the compressor if you so chose, right? Where mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that you can do that in every channel emulation. But with this, I still had that flexibility. So it was something that I was able to adopt. And now, yeah, it's very, very rare that I use a different type of EQ compressor that is not in in that rack. So for me, it's been really, really helpful. I'm still really intrigued of trying to use more of like a strict emulated, like console emulation, like some of the brain work stuff. Mm -hmm. I have the 9000J and the experiments I've done with it. It's like, yeah, I really like the sound of it. I just haven't had a project where I felt like, okay, this project, I'm going to stick to this come hell or high water, right? I'm going to make it work type of thing.
0: Well, it sounds like you need to start thinking Adam style and and envisioning the final product before you even start the mix.
1: Yeah, and I think that has also been a little bit of the caveat for me where it's not like the 9000J isn't flexible because it certainly is that. Mm -hmm. But when I was thinking that, I was thinking, okay, I'm thinking Sheen, I'm thinking a lot of, bottom end, a lot of low end type of thing. And for whatever reason, the projects that I've been w- involved with lately have not necessarily fit that mold. So whatever mental hang up I have of that, it just <laughs> I just haven't pulled the trigger, so to
0: speak. It's just so, that it's a mental hang up.
1: Yeah. What about
0: you? What did you what made
1: you want to jump on that with this last project that you're working with and wanting to sort of dedicate that to a channel strip well. workflow?
0: The value of it had more to do with the concept of the three albums. One is called past, one is called present, one is called future, and it revolves around holiday music. Mm. And I figured, what better way to deal with an era that the music is supposed to represent by picking an actual channel or console emulation that represents that era from when the music came from and why not just force myself to work it that way and it's been an interesting process as you mentioned what's the biggest challenge for you i want to say flexibility but it isn't technically flexibility it's just getting used to the limitation so to speak that you mentioned yeah in that i'm got the channel strip emulation across every channel including buses. So it's like I have every channel covered by the console, so to speak. And listening more intently to the audio on that track and using EQ and filters first, which for some reason seems to be the reason that I'm using these things. It's like I'm using them for their imparted quality of their EQ, <laughs> okay, that's that was the original intent. It also is the era that they come from. So for the past album, I'm using a old old channel strip emulation. For the present, I'm using the focus right emulation and for the future I'm using the 9000j because it's the newest emulation right. that I have. I find myself dealing more with EQ up front. I also find myself not using nearly as much compression. Interesting. And when I am using it, I'm using it much more judiciously. Okay. I'm not going nuts with it is the main thing.
1: But you're not one that, from my experience, and I know you fairly well, I would never say that, yeah, Jody, he's really heavy-handed with his compression. (laughs) I used to
0: be a long-ass time ago, but not anymore, no. Yeah, Okay. I'm I'm learning also in addition to that that along with the compression and using a little bit less of it or not using nearly as much of it, I'm finding myself wanting to adjust the faders by manual manipulation a lot more, which goes back to the concept of using an actual console where guys, as Adam even described, yeah. having four guys together – all learning in conjunction how they're going to move faders and twist knobs as they're trying to mix a tune. And they practice that for hours until they get it right, and boom, they lay it down. And that was the one time that pass worked, so to speak. (laughs) Whereas now you can do all that by yourself by just automating each little pass as you go. And that's something that I've been doing on this project as well. And I find that it's making the music a, a bit more dynamic and is certainly giving it a lot more depth and, and such. But it's also forcing me to think because I'm using a different DAW than I normally would. And oh, the, so you're doing most
1: of this in Luna? I'm doing it I'm all taking? in Luna.
0: Not, not okay. most of it. All of it. I all didn't right. track it in Luna, but I am mixing it all entirely in Luna and Luna's still got a long way to go when it comes to automation, which is part of the reason of forcing myself to use channel strips to think more console like, Mm. and that's helped. It's just a different workflow and it's working really well for this. And it's like, man, I could use this on things going forward in a way that I hadn't done in the past because prior to this, and you can probably attest to this, you'd create these ridiculous templates (laughs) <laughs> that had everything on every channel strip already ready to go when you wanted to go do yeah. a mix. And then you'd just jump right in. You'd be opening and closing plug-in windows as you went. And it's the same workflow. You're just mousing around a lot less and, and clicking a lot less, at least to me. I find the same yeah. thing that you found. It's like having everything in one interface makes it a hell of a lot easier to deal with. Yeah. And I'm not constantly opening and closing. Now, whether it sped up my workflow, I don't know. It's certainly causing me to listen a lot more intently. And it's not to say that I don't listen, I didn't listen intently before, but I certainly am listening more intently now. That's not to say that I'm not occasionally using a Mog EQ or a certain compressor. It's just that I do have a particular emulation of the console across the entire mix on every single channel strip, just like you would on an actual console. But I'm still adding things where they may be necessary if the console is not quite giving me what I want. But I'm right. substantially less plugins on these mixes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: And I think there's something to that because there's a key phrase that you said in there where you listen a lot more. That's important, right? Because that's kind of the whole point it, of the job. <laughs> it it, it sort of is, isn't it? But you start to learn what what said compressor actually do. It's very easy to have the habit of like, okay, well, here's my bus of vocals. Okay, I'm gonna put on the BVs, I'm gonna put another LA-2A on there. And you don't necessarily think too much about it. It's not like you don't listen, but, but that's so ingrained in your workflow that, okay, this is what I'm gonna do and this is how I wanna listen. I wanna have this and this much gain reduction, blah, blah, blah. And that's your workflow. But when you have a new way of doing things, it forces you to kind of relearn that. Okay, so now you're mentioning the focus right, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so now that's going to behave differently than an 1176 or an Well, LA-2-8. its compressor does. Well, that's what I'm saying, right? So the compression section in that means now that you have to listen more intently to what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And instead of just listening for, oh, I know I want to take off – I don't know, 5 dB on this vocal or whatever your usual workflow might be. But now you have to listen for that. Okay, well, what does that do if I take off 5 dB here or have 5 dB of gain reduction? As with the SSL, for example, that has like an automatic makeup gain. Mm -hmm. So when you're compressing harder, it brings the level back up, right? So those are the things that you have to kind of listen for again. And I think a sort of like rejuvenation can happen with that because you're forced out of your comfort Comfort zone zone. as it well. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are, they sound like there would be cons, but I actually think that they're they're pros because it benefits you in a way and it benefits the mix eventually once you start learning these things and you're paying more attention to what it is that you're actually doing.
0: Sure, so what's a con in this situation?
1: Well, it could be that we're actually tied to one compressor or one EQ, right, per channel strip. Mm -hmm. It's not like you would have, well, here's my kick. I'm going to have a blue stripe 1176 and then I'm going to have a Poltec, whatever, right? That's just an example, throwing something out. But now you're, no, you're not. You're using the Focusrite compressor and you're using a Focusrite EQ. Make it work. If you have your favorite things, this will bypass that. You have to kind of redo it, and if you have your comfortable blanket snoogie blanket that you like to use <laughs> when when you're processing a certain track, that could be conceived as a con right where you no longer have that another one would be that it's possibly less signal routing options that you will have because with not with every channel strip emulation comes a possibility of routing the audio in a certain way. It might be set.
0: Yeah. You know, so That's very true. And as an example, the Helios is very set. Yeah. But it's also a little bit more limited because you're really just dealing with input, filters, EQ, fader. That's it. There's no yeah. compression on that. And knowing how the Helios sounds. It does some really interesting things with the low filter depending on how you set it. Mm. And that's something that it emulates the original console extremely well. And then you get something like the Focusrite or, say, the SSL in terms of if it's from BrainWorks. You have options there where you can run the compressor or actually run the EQ prior to the compressor or after the compressor. Yeah. Same on the UA API channel strip as well. You can order the EQ before or after the compressor. Now, there's certain things that these console emulations can do in terms of the compression that isn't something the original console could do. And specifically with, say, the SSL from BrainWorks, the 9000J. It has a mix knob on the compressor, which means you can treat it like parallel compression Yeah, yeah. Which you cannot do on a console, but you can do it in this plugin, And that's pretty awesome. But not all channel emulations do that. Some do, some don't. Is that a con? Who knows? If you want to work more like the actual console, well, having a mix knob on your how much you can mix of the compression into the actual signal might actually be a con to you. Or vice versa. If you want to be able to do that and it doesn't come with that ability, that's a problem for you.
1: Yeah, but I think also, you know, this is not a con, but people like Michael Brower, mm-hmm. who was instrumental in developing or at least giving feedback for the development team at Brainworks for the 9000J, it's like, yeah, this is exactly what my 9000J sounds like. This is what it should be. So that, that's really, really cool. Is it a con to have all these extra bells and features? I don't know. Maybe back in the day, they would think, oh, man, it would be really, really cool if I could just run this in parallel or whatever right. without having is, to use patch space Which he's famous for. Right. Are there cons to this? Yeah, possibly. Because the big one for me before I, again, adopted the, the slate rack was it forced me to rethink what I was used to, to looking at.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Because we all know that mixing is done with your eyes and not your ears. Oh, definitely! Coolest, coolest <laughs> interface wins, right? That's um, I think there'd be a split decision there between UA and, and Slate for that one, right? It was all down <laughs> of to Of course you're interfaces. joking. Of course you're joking. Of course I'm joking. That being said, though, you know we're joking about this, but when you're sitting down and you're mixing, it is nice to have something that looks pleasing to look at. Sure. You know, would you be as keen to work? on a channel strip or with a channel strip if it was just a black screen with numbers and faders on it? Probably not. That would so it would sound worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to laugh about, but it makes a difference. You get more inspired to work with something if it's pleasing to look at. Mm-hmm. And that's just a psychological thing, right? It's same with like, if you have a shitty looking guitar amp emulations, like, yeah, oh, I'm not going to use that because it it doesn't make you feel a certain way. Does it sound the same way? Yeah, probably. But <laughs> anything that inspires you to work, I, th- I think it's a good thing. So, sure. I, yeah, I'm intrigued about the whole channel strip console emulation thing. I like it a lot. So, I, I look forward to the next project I do to be mixed entirely on one of these. And then I say one of these, I mean, not the slate thing.
0: <laughs> right. You mean going but, with an actual channel strip emulation?
1: Yeah, in a purest sense, I'm really limiting myself to that. Yeah. So I will say this process, about my experience
0: yeah. with it is that I've already decided to start creating actual templates based on each console emulation that I do have. So I have it a template l- for mixing where I have all the channel strips set up and ready to go where I can just dump the audio tracks into them, but they already have the actual channel strip emulation set up on them. And right. if it's a BrainWorks particular channel strip setup for a console, be it the SSL or the Focusrite, which are the two from Brainworks that I currently own. I also have them stretched out, so to speak, with their TMT. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The TMT. So every single channel strip is not sequential, but they're also no two are technically the same, unless I go beyond 72 tracks, which happens on occasion. So then some are doubling up, but that gives you that additional slight variations that Brainworks claims to have from channel strip to channel strip.
1: Yeah. So they're emulating actually this was channel 1 on the emulated board. Yeah, there's channel just channel slight two. variations and to and each they go, yeah, they're different. So that's how nutty you can get with it and uh,
0: with when uh, you're using the Brainworks, the UA doesn't do that.
1: Right. That's another interesting thing. I mean, would I recommend anybody go in to start, like, randomizing those? Oh, I always use my drums on track 14. Yeah, good luck if you're hearing that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> Chances are most are not I can do that. But, but one thing that I know that some people were upset about, or maybe not upset, but disappointed, perhaps, or disillusioned, or something like that, when they started using... The channel strip emulation or the console emulation, which was the first plugin I think I got from, from Slate, before it was version 2, it had the mix rack, mm-hmm. is that the sound of the console itself, just like running it through. The transformers. Or, or, right. is very subtle. Mm-hmm. So where people think that, okay, I'm just going to run it through. Just running through, it's going to make night and day. No. Well, it won't. Certainly not on one track, but when you start adding these tiny little things up to, like you said, you have a mix of like 72 tracks and you have the ability to turn that off and on, you will notice a difference. Assuming your, you know, your ears are, are tuned. Yeah. And your your monitoring situation stuff. If you're doing this on your laptop speaker, you're probably not going to hear it. It is interesting because all those tiny little things add up. And like you're saying, like the brain works thing there where you have a different emulation for each virtual channel, those small things will probably add up to just that extra little half a percent of percent on your mix. So Mm -hmm. that's another added bonus of this, I suppose.
0: I agree. But like I said, I've made templates for every channel strip that I own so that going in the future with additional mixes from clients, if they say, Oh, I want a particular sound and this is how I would like to go about it. And I get the novel concept of where they're going. I can pick the appropriate console, so to speak, to get there. Yeah. Would I go so far as to start like breaking out, doing drums on the API and acoustic guitars on the Neve and vocals with a uh, different Neve and uh, focus right on synthesizers or something. Maybe it's not, currently in my future wheelhouse of plans, but that's not to say that I wouldn't do it. I just haven't decided to go that route yet. Yeah. We'll come back in
1: five years and go, oh, dude, try it <laughs> on keys. You gotta that, that's now, yeah. the, You got to do it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's interesting though. That's the best word can I can use. It, it is interesting. Now, one question for you, how you're not going to get nutty again and do like all the different routings. So you're going to create all this massive mixed templates now with just everything else. Are you just including the the channel strip plug in, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good man. Good yeah. man. What about reverbs though? Now it's outside of the topic here, but are you including that or no?
0: No, they all effects and whatnot happen while I'm doing the mix. So okay. I create an additional channel strip and I throw the effect on that, but I don't pre plan yeah. the effects. But, but the that.
1: tracks are now loaded with this yeah. is my focus right template. Mm-hmm. This is my Helios or whatever happens to me. All right,
0: cool. Yep. Cool. Cool. Yep. All right. With that, let's move on to our Friday finds. Chris, what have you got? Well,
1: Waves have another MX room available for us now. And if you're not familiar with NX, it's the technology of placing you in a virtual studio environment mm-hmm. using your headphones binaural audio, that type of thing. So you could do head tracking where you're, you're actually hearing the sound change if you turn your head, that type of thing. Essentially, the process here of taking your room out of the mix. So if you're in a less than ideal situation, maybe you're traveling or something and you're, you're forced to mix on headphones, this might be something you want to try out. But they came out with a new one, a new room, these and it's called the Germano and I believe this is from used to be the Hit Factory in New York so they just mm. added to their arsenal there what they had before I think they had Oceanway Nashville and I know that CLA had his one there's another one of those so I thought that would be kind of cool for some people to check out if you're Sweet. into this um,
0: technology. What yeah. about you? What do you got? I'm looking at a new reverb mm. and this new reverb is a reverb by a company called Baby Audio. I'm wondering if this is actually their very first product. I have not technically looked them up to see how big their arsenal of plugins are. The reverb that they have created, though, is called Crystalline or Crystalline. Science shiny. (laughs) It's supposed to be, apparently. It is an algorithmic reverb that is supposed to embrace the concept of classic digital reverbs. But okay. what makes this kind of different, and I think this is kind of interesting, is that not only can you sync the reverb attack time using your DAW's tempo, which you can do with a few reverbs most notoriably right now, the NeoVerb, but what you can also do is you can sync the decay time. Mm. Which currently you'd have to be looking up with most reverbs, like, how long do I want this to go? And then you have to figure out your milliseconds and seconds to kind of dial that out. But with Crystalline, you can do all that automatically with the sync function of Crystalline reverb. And I think that's pretty badass. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my pick for this week is the Crystalline. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. While we've got your attention, we ask that you go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and sign up for our mailing list. You will get weekly reminders about the Tuesday tips when they come out, and we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes of the podcast. Send us an email at GoldStar, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at recordingstudio.com with the phrase, channel strip and you'll get something cool back in your inbox if you have a topic of suggestion for chris and i to explain in a future episode contact us at the contact page and we'll put it into consideration for a future episode and with that i'll say see you next week thanks
1: for listening everybody have a good one jody